Fourth and Inches, a Husky podcast, is brought to you by Big Heads Media. For more information, go to bigheadsmedia.com. And go! Hi, Husky fans. Welcome back to Fourth and Inches, Husky podcast. I'm Trevor. I'm Jake. And we go together like Ricky and Cal Norton. Uh, Talladega Nights. That's right. Isn't it Cal Norton Jr.? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I thought... I almost, you know what I almost did? I almost just said Ricky and Cal and then gave you a minute to think on it. But I think I would have gotten, you it. know, I think so too. I you know why? Do you know why? Because I'm the magic. Because you've seen it before. Because I'm the magic man. <laughs> now you see me. Now you see me. <laughs> now you don't. <laughs> so this is going to be our South preview podcast. But before we get to that, we had a new member of the 2020 class join. His name is Rome Adunze. Yeah. He's a wide receiver. He's a four-star, six, two and a half, 200 pounds out of Bishop Gorman in Las Vegas. Jake, what are your thoughts? Nice pickup, man. He's going yeah. he's gonna, to he's gonna play really well off of uh, McMillan. Um, watch this tape. Cat is elusive. I saw on his, on his junior highlight tape, I saw like three bubble screens go to him and he broke them to the house. And I mean, he just, he looks real elusive to me. He doesn't look like he goes in high points ball, but that's kind of, that's what Jalen McMillan does. That's not really what he needs to do. I mean, to me, he looks like a really, he's a four-star guy. He's got a, a 90 composite rating. You know, it's, they just keep getting more and more four-star receivers. And I'll live with that all day long. I love it. That I agree with you. I think that, you know, if we want to do a little bit of comparisons from guys that have just come through, he's more of the John Ross type where he's he's really, really fast. Yeah. Um, and Jalen McMillan's more in that Dante role. Yeah. And, and and don't be mistaken, Trevor doesn't mean like John Ross. He's not as fast as John Ross. That's Right, John Ross is kind of a once in a lifetime, you know, elusive speed type of guy. Right, but he plays like a John Ross. Yeah, he's gonna he's gonna make uh, the defensive backs give him a cushion because they're always gonna be afraid that he's just gonna run right past. Them. Yeah, exactly. Yes, he he's not gonna be the fastest human being to ever run the forty at the NFL Combine, but that's the kind of player he is. What really gets me excited about somebody like this guy coming into the program is the quality and the talent in that wide receiver room. Once the Ty Joneses and the Andre Bocelli's and the Aaron Fuller's are gone, you're looking at Sam Heward or one of the other quarterbacks. They're going to be looking to their sides and they're going to see Trey Lowe. They're going to see Puka Nakua. They're going to see um austin osborne and marcus spiker and now uh roman dunze and jane like mcmillan that's a loaded that's that's a top 15 receiving room oh, in the country oh for sure i remember last year we talked about type of receivers that uw wants to reel in you know because last year we were a little bit on the shorter side as far as our receivers when we were talking about it we said the ideal receiver that i think coach pete wants to get is like a six three ish, you know. They, they want their average receiver to be six two six three, and in one year, it seems like they're already there. You know, so yeah. they're bringing in the type of talent that they see their team molding around, and they're four, they're not they're not two and three star guys that are just tall that have that can grow into something good. These are legit four star guys. You know, Gorman is is a powerhouse as far as high school fo- football. They've they've produced a ton of talent. You know, this kid is nothing to bat your eyes at. And, you, you know, McMillan being probably the top receiver in the West Coast. And these guys are big, tall guys. And that's what this team wants and needs, especially with these new quarterbacks coming in. Th- these guys are going to get them the ball where they want it. You can see the difference in court, uh, receivers coaches from year to year. Junior Adams took over for... Uh, I'm spacing on his name, the guy that came from Oregon. Kind of the story is that once he got passed up for the 
um, for an OC job. He was kind of on his way out and you could tell by, you know, they brought in one uh, three-star receiver last year. They were missing on receivers. And now this guy's in here that came from Eastern Washington, who Cooper Cup gushed over and he's, reeling in talent all over the place. Yeah. He closed on Puka Nakua. He got Jalen Camillan early, and now uh, now he brought in this Rome guy. I mean, they essentially they could be done recruiting receivers in this class. From what I've read, they still want to grab one more. They're not just going to take any receiver. Now they can be picky, not that they got two of the elites as far as two in this class, you know? Yeah, like if a G. Scott Jr. decides that he wants to stay home. Sure. Um, I don't I don't think they would say no to him. No, no. But what's nice about, you know, these two guys committing is, is now that, that they can focus their attention onto other parts of their recruiting, they don't have to. Adunze said that he wanted to lock up his recruiting before his senior season started so he could just focus on playing football. Which to me reads, nobody wastes your time because dude's not flipping. And Jalen McMillan right. has been the biggest recruiter other than our coaching staff. And you know he's a firm commit. No reason for anybody else to talk to him. So now our coaching staff can focus their attention on the defensive side of the ball or grabbing a couple offensive linemen some corners, you know, stuff like that. So, and that's, that's nice. That's good for them to have, you know? All right. So that's your Washington news for the day. Uh, we're going to just move right into, uh, into the Pac-12 South. So Jake and I have both gone through and done a win-loss total for each team. Uh, and then uh, we're just going to, we're going to compare, see where we're going to have these guys ending up at the end of the year. And at the end of the year, we're going to see if we're right. Last year, the, the South, we're going to start with the South. The South was, all over the place. Uh, Jake's Jake's favorite to win ended up, you know, really struggling. So bad. Um, I got lucky. Yeah, I got lucky. I chose Utah based on the fact that they have a decent defense, and the rest of the grouping was was frankly pretty low. And uh, after one, though, I mean, it's it was a crapshoot. So well, and, you know, and spoiler, I kind of think that's how the South's going to be again this year. The South, you know. I was talking to a friend of mine. You could take the top four teams from the North and they probably wouldn't finish worse than third in that league. You know, I think. Oh, I bet probably better than that. Yeah. I mean, I think that Cal competes in that league and then everybody above Cal. I, I, I I believe that if they were to have to play that South schedule, I think they would come out. Yeah, looking better than they do than being in the north, having to go through the gauntlet of Stanford, sure. Washington, and Oregon. For sure, I totally agree. Let's get into the little brother of the Pac-12 South, huh? Absolutely. All right, so first we're gonna start. Let's start with the Arizona schools, huh? Perfect, because I went, I went by alphabetical order, so. Perfect. So that would lead us to Air, the University of Arizona. Jake, what's your take on how they were last year offensively? This is the team that I ended up picking to win the South last year. I thought um, I thought Khalil Tate was going to win the Heisman, you know, based off of his his previous season. His his numbers were godly. Uh, it, it was like he was playing a video game, you know. He was a video game guy, and he took a big step back with that new coaching staff. You know, Sumlin came in and and uh, expected him to be more of a. I, I don't think they expected him to be a pocket passer, but more of a pocket passer. And I just don't think that he bought into that system. So um, offensively, I think a lot depends on him. How he plays is how that offense is going to play. So I guess I guess we're going to have to wait to see how he performs. And he might not even be the starter for the full season if he doesn't buy into that system. And and I think that that's a really good point. That if he keeps running, uh, he keeps doing that running style quarterback. He's not the biggest guy in the world. I could see I could see him getting banged up like he has uh, in every year of his career. You know, is it the coaching staff forcing him to do it? Is he wanting to do it? Somebody's going to have to change. Uh, or I think, again, this offense is going to be kind of hit or miss. Yeah. Um, they had, you know, you think back to that, that weird Oregon game where they just exploded and, and dropped 44 and, and decimated a Duck team that at the time was looking at like they were probably going to win the North. Yeah. So... I don't know. Uh, 
I, I, I wonder if Kevin Sublin's the guy that's supposed to be there. Um, I went back and listened to our Pac-12 South preview from last year, which wasn't super good. So I don't suggest anybody do it, but <laughs> you really made it. You made a great point that you said that outside of the Manziel years, Sumlin's offenses weren't necessarily that good. And, you know, maybe this is just who Sumlin is. And, you know, I, I don't know if it's going to work out in Tempe. Yeah. You know, and unfortunately I thought that Khalil Tate was kind of a Manziel ish type of player. I thought, and he that's kind the of, confusing I mean, part of it, right? Yeah. I, I thought Khalil Tate had just as much talent as Manziel. And so I thought maybe it would fit perfect, but maybe someone's just tired of that type of a player. I don't, I don't know. Or, or, or maybe yeah. it's because maybe it's because someone recruited Manziel but not Khalil Tate. So Khalil Tate just didn't want any part of his offense, you know? So on the defensive side, you know, they gave up a lot of points, but if you look at the points that they, the games that they lost and the points that when they gave up a lot of points is they gave it up through the air. So the teams that they gave up a lot of points to were Washington state. Uh, they gave up a lot to Houston and they gave up a lot to, uh, well, you, uh, Utah and Arizona State. Arizona State has a had a quarterback that had been around for four years, and you know they really coughed that game up. I, they had a big lead going into half, and they lost. Yeah. But the massive games that they lost were against teams that threw the ball. So they they struggled through the through the air, and they were a little bit better on the ground, holding holding Oregon to only fifteen. That was really a primarily running team with C.J. Verdell and, you know, Oregon State, say what you will about their, their team, their offense, their running backs, and especially at the beginning of the year, they were good. And they were still able to keep them to just 14 points as well. So, you know, the way to beat them is to be able to throw the ball. Yeah. And, and fortunately, you know, for us, I mean, not to give too much away, I think we'll have more of a passing attack this year than we did last year, so – it should play nicely into that. Yeah. The only scary part of that game is we're going into Arizona. And we do never – yeah. We, Washington doesn't play well in Arizona. Something about that hot weather. I guess so. So who's your player to watch for Arizona this year? Uh, we already talked about him, but it's going to be Khalil Tate. Um, he, was, he was the first person to win Pac-12 Offensive Player of the Week in four consecutive weeks ever. But last year, he really took a step back. I, it might have been my fault for picking him to win, <laughs> picking him to win the Heisman. Uh, I might have pretty high. On I, I might have I jinxed the guy. And I just want to say to Khalil, I know you're listening. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. Bear man. down. Bear down. <laughs> that was my bad, bro. I'm not picking you to win the Heisman this year. Go out and do your thing, okay? But, uh, you know, his completion percentage dropped from 62 to 56%. And uh, for him, for that offense to be efficient, man, I don't think he needs to be at like a 62%, but I think a 60, 61%. And that offense is making major strides because with his running ability and being a somewhat efficient thrower, I think that team can really move the football. So I mean, for me, it's it's an obvious choice in Khalil Tate to to watch for this year. And I think that's pretty. I mean, Khalil Tate's going to take them as far as he can take them. Uh, another guy that that you could look at also is JJ Taylor. Um, yeah, he 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 can get injured. He's been injured uh, a few times in his career, but when he's been healthy, he's been really successful. Yeah, we're just going to go down the list. You're going to tell me. Uh, win or loss, and if you want to explain it all, go ahead, and then I'll tell you how I put it. Okay, and I'm just going to disclaimer this right now, Trev. I hold the right to change my answers throughout the season per game as we go through. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Oh, yeah. Because I could pick them now at, at whatever I'm going to pick, and if they start rolling off some L's, I'm going to change my tune real quick. Tell me you have them winning again. No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Good. All right. So we got uh, a week zero game, August 24th at Hawaii. Win. Northern Arizona. Win. Texas Tech. 
dropping that L. Okay, so I have Hawaii as a win, Northern Arizona as a win, and Texas Tech as a win. Whoa. Yeah, so I got them 3 and 0 going into their bye week. You have them at 2 and 1. I do. All right, next is a home game against UCLA. Win. I have it as a loss. Okay. Next is at Colorado. Colorado is coming off a bye. Uh, win. I have it as a win as well. Next is at Wa- uh, or home against Washington. Win. I'm just kidding. That's a loss. I have it as a win for Arizona. No, you don't. I do. Are you kidding? Let me tell you why. Because I'm trying to get a little bit of the Homer scrub off of me. By picking Arizona to be? Hold on. (laughs) Hold on. Okay. I I looked at at the schedule, and every year since I can remember, I've looked at the schedule, and I've thought to myself objectively, I think Washington could win every single game, which was not the case. I look at this schedule for Washington, and I say Washington can and should win every game. But since I'm trying to be a little bit less of a homer, I said, okay, I will, I will choose one game that they're going to lose. And I refuse to, have, uh, to predict them to lose to Stanford or Oregon. So the next logical loss would be to Arizona at Arizona. Makes because per- Makes perfect sense. Yep, because you have to show me that you can win in Arizona. Sure. Before I'm going to choose uh, choose you to go 12 and 0. Sure. That I totally understand. That's that's my big upset. All right. Next is at USC. Loss. I I have a loss as well at Stanford. Loss. I do as well. Uh, next is a home game against Oregon State. Oregon State's coming off a bye. Win. I have a loss. Uh, they have a bye week, and then Oreg- they're going to Oregon. Oregon is also coming off a bye week. Loss. I have it a win. Next. Oh, how hey. the tables have turned. 44-14 <laughs> <laughs> last year. Okay. Oregon's coming um, off a bye. So so is Arizona. Okay. Uh, then they uh, they host Utah. Loss. I have it as a loss, and then they go to Arizona State. Loss. I have it as a loss as well. So um, I have Arizona going six and six and three and six in conference. Um, make so. What do you have Arizona's? Five and seven. Five and seven, and in conference. Three and six. Okay, so I have Arizona going six, making a bowl game, going out for one year and going three and six in their bowl game, or three and six in conference. All right, so we're going to say goodbye to the University of Arizona. We're going to move to the Sun Devils of Arizona State. We're going into our second year with uh, Coach Herm Edwards. He did well for his first year at seven and six. He had some really good talent around him, but a lot of people thought it was kind of kind of be a circus, and it ended up looking uh, at times really good. They took Washington down and only lost by seven. Uh, and yeah, so what do you think for uh, Herm's second year here? A lot of talent to replace, man. Whew. They uh, they lose the quarterback. They lose the probably the most talented receiver in the nation. You know, I, I don't know enough about their offense to tell you who's going to uh, replace them, but I do know that it that's – I mean, you had a 3,000-yard 3, passer and you had a 1,000-yard receiver gone. I mean, you got you to gotta get it from somewhere, and, and uh, we'll see if Herm Edwards, you know, has who he wants there to, to pick up the slack. Just coming out this week also, Herm named a starter, Jaden Daniels. This will be Arizona State's first ever true freshman starting quarterback. So at least we know who's going to be throwing the ball for him this year. He's 6'3", 190. Um, and then, of course, they still have Eno Benjamin, who was an, uh, an all-conference back last year, and Kyle Williams as a receiver, who I-, I think a little disappointing last year. What do you got on the offensive side? Yeah, so defensively, they were, you know, they, they gave up. They gave up some big games, uh, not as bad as Arizona's. Overall, I think it was a pretty good defense. Uh, Arizona State always has 
decent defenses and, and that didn't change with the regime change. So uh, who are your players to watch this year? Player to watch is going to be uh, running back Eno Benjamin. With losing that starting quarterback and the uh, nation's best receiver, he had a pretty good year. You know, he had 1,500 rushing yards. But this year is going to be a completely different story with the true freshman quarterback. Uh, they're going to stack the box against them. Is he going to be able to progress and stay healthy enough to have another 1,500-yard year with the stacked box playing against him, you know, their offense is going to revolve around him. He's going to get a lot more touches and they're going to kind of rely on him. So again, how he goes, the offense will go. Yeah. And then the flip side of that is uh, middle linebacker, Merlin Robinson, the team's leading tackler from last year is back. And uh, you know, he's going to be the quarterback of that defense and he's going to be the one that is going to take this defensive unit to the next level or keep them as that middling defense in the Pac-12. Yeah. So, so let's move into their schedule here. First, they have uh, Kent State on a Thursday. Win. Win for me, too. Sacramento State on a Friday. Win. Win for me as well. Then they go at Michigan State. Loss. I have that as a loss as well. I think if you bring that group back that you had last year with Manny Wilkins, and if you have Wilkins and Carey going into a game like that, I think that you might be able to look at that as maybe a winnable game. But that defense, that that pass defense that Michigan State has is uh, not going to be kind to a true freshman in his third game. And especially in Michigan – Oh boy! You know, it's a freshman. It's his third game, and his first two games are against Kent State and Sac State. Yeah. So then you get thrown into the, the to the Lions Den in tell you what. Big Ten territory with, you know, in Michigan State always has a prolific defense with yeah. great corners. So I, I truly, I think they're kind of going to get eaten alive. That I think that's going to be a tough one. The only reason why it's not going to look like they got blasted is, you know, on the other side is Michigan State doesn't necessarily usually have a great offense to go along with their fantastic defense. Yeah, and I remember watching Michigan State last year, and their quarterback struggled. Yeah, last year they put up 13 points in the 16-13 loss <laughs> at Tempe. Yeah. So next we get into conference play for them. They uh, host Colorado. Win. Win for me as well. Then they travel to California on a Friday, so a short week. I have it as a win. I have it as a loss. What are, why, what are your thoughts on that? I just think that, you know, like I said, I think they're going to rely on Eno on a short week. Nothing's better than a run game to help help a tired team out, right? And, and to – beat up on a tired defense that also has a short week. Nothing better but to run the ball. And, you know, ben- Benjamin's a pretty big back. He's kind of a bruiser. So I think that's going to take a toll on Cal. And even though Cal has a good defense, they're still going to be tired. They have a great defense. The, the thing that gave me pause on this game is that Cal the week before is even f- uh, in Mississippi. Yeah. So they've got to travel back across the country, and that usually spells disaster for any football team. Yeah. But even with that said, I trust Cal's defense, and I'm giving Arizona State the L. All right, then they have a bye, and then they host Washington State. Washington State is also coming off a bye. I have it as a loss. I do as well. At Utah. Yeah, another loss. Same with me. At UCLA. Another loss. I do as well. October is not kind to the Sun Devils. No, no, they're not. They get a break to lick their wounds, and then they host USC. And I have them taking their fourth loss in a row. I do as well. This one was hard for me, but I decided to to give USC the win here. Yeah. And then they travel to Corvallis to take on the Beavs. That's a win. They turn That's it around. And then they uh, they host. They host Oregon. I really hope that's a win, but I'm predicting it's a loss. I have it as a win. Okay. That's, I hope you're right. And then they host Arizona, and we both already said that that was a win. Yep. 
So what do you have Arizona State going? Six and overall? six. Six and six, and in conference? Four and five. Okay, so we might have uh, mixed up our wins and losses, but we have the exact same record and in-conference record. So that puts Arizona State ahead of Arizona because of their conference wins. Arizona had the three and six, and we both are saying that Arizona State will be four and five. All right, so let's do some, let's do some alphabet here. So the next one would be Colorado. All right, so the Buffs struggled last year. They, uh, at one point, were, weren't they ranked at one point last year? And I think until they played us. Yeah, it was something like that. I think they might have, yep, they were ranked. Oh, no, they were ranked 21st against Arizona State, 19th against USC, and then. Then the downhill uh, fall. Yeah, so they were on a five-game winning streak going into that at USC. You know, everybody was really big on Lavishka Chenault. And um, the wheels fell off. Yeah, big time. And they weren't in some well, of these games. They weren't competitive. But they didn't even they didn't play anybody. Oh yeah, I mean the the beginning of their season they they beat Colorado State. They went to Nebraska and won. I think that was a good win. Yeah. But then it's in the, it's New Hampshire, a UCLA team that was in turmoil at that point. Uh, and then I think their best win was probably Arizona State. Yeah. And then after that, it was just a whole bunch of nothing. So, Trev, what's your what's your thoughts on their offense this year? Um, it all revolves around Steven Montez. I feel like Steven Montez has been there forever. Um, he started he, he started some games as a freshman. He played most of the Pac-12 championship against Washington in 16. It's been a really inconsistent up-and-down uh, career for him. Uh, I think he would have benefited being at another school, frankly. Yeah, Montez – I remember when, when we played him in the Pac-12 championship, he, he scared me a little bit. Yeah. Just because, you know, he, he was playing really good football at the time. And fortunately, our defense locked him down. But he did show flashes of brilliance throughout that game. And then, of course, the other guy that, that they have who was injured for most of their losing streak was LaVisca Chenault, who's probably the best wide receiver in the Pac-12 this year. And actually, I'll just jump right into it. That's actually my player to watch is Lavishka Chanel. That dude is the real middle field. I think you're wrong, though. I don't think he's the best receiver in the Pac-12. I think he's a top three receiver in the nation. I think at the end of the day, if he stays healthy at, by, throughout this whole year, I think you see Lavishka Chanel go as the number one receiver off the board in the NFL draft next year. I think, he's a stocky guy. He's 6'2", 225. That's a big guy. Yeah, and he, but he's got the skill set, man. Yeah. He, he was in the Heisman race until he got hurt. And I, I believe it was his shoulder he hurt. Uh, it was one of those kind of like nagging injuries, right, where you, it was kind of week to week, but it, was, it just ended up being for a long time. Yeah. You know, in, in nine games last year, he had 86 catches for over 1,000 yards. I mean, if you give him a full season, he's got over 1,500 yards receiving. And, uh, you know, like I said, I, I think he's probably the top receiver taken off the board. Hopefully to, you know, your Seattle Seahawks. I don't know. <laughs> him, him, Maybe. Him and um, what's his name? Oh, DK Metcalf. Yeah, him and DK Metcalf opposing <laughs> each other to physically – just demanding guys, just opposite. Like they could, they're going to go out there play receiver. They're going to turn around and play linebacker for guard defense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, that's uh, that that is a big human being, and I really like him. He has really good, a really good skill set as far as being a receiver. Great hands, great footwork. I mean, some of the plays he made last year were just incredible. So keep, yeah. keep an eye on him. If you're going to watch a Colorado game, keep an eye on, on Chenault because he's going to be fun to watch. So what you're saying is you shouldn't be watching Colorado for much else. I'm not going to watch Colorado one time this year. Well, they do not play Washington. They, oh, they do play Washington, so you can watch them once. I'll watch them one time this year, like I said. Very nice. <laughs> yeah, so th their defense, um, twenty. they gave up 27 points a game last year. Not – not bad, not great. Um, so we'll see what they do this year. But I think both of us are pretty down on on Colorado in um, Mel Tucker's first year. Was, yeah, yeah, because they just fired their head coach last year, right? Montgomery. Yeah, Mike yeah. Montgomery. Yeah. 
I've never seen Either somebody. Worst or fr- he man, he is. He is worst or first. Thing, man. He is man. He he's the Ricky Bobby. That's why I chose Ricky Bobby for this one. He's, he's che- if he's not first, he's last. You want a little race car knowledge? Sure. He's checkers or wreckers. I love it. <laughs> and that was I, his. You career. know what? I I I know what that means, and I don't watch much uh <laughs> much racing, so we're well, good. There you go. All right, so let's get into this schedule, huh? We, first up, we got uh, Colorado State coming to Denver. That's that's a big old win. That's a big W for me as well. Then they host Nebraska. That's a bigger L. Yes, I agree with you. And then it's Air Force coming to Boulder. Win. I got a win as well. Then at Arizona State. Loss. Loss. They and, have a bye week. And Go here – here come I'm rattling off L's from now on. Arizona. Loss. I'm with you. At Oregon. Loss. I'm with you. At Washington State. Win. What? Yeah. <laughs> I I think I I I really feel that Wazoo is gonna take a step back this year. Oh, tune in next week. There's going to be fireworks. <laughs> Are we having fireworks? Oh yeah. <laughs> All right, so I have Washington State beating them, so that's another loss for Colorado. Then we have a home game against SC. Loss. At, I agree with you. At UCLA. Loss. Home against Stanford. Loss. Loss. Bye week? Loss. Oh, no. <laughs> they get their bye week. They come up to Seattle. Loss. And then they're at Utah. That's a loss. Ooh. You have them All going right, winless so in the pack. I do. I oh, have, so boy. you have them going three and nine on the year, yeah. one and eight in conference. Correct. I have them two and ten and zero oh and nine in conference. But, but will they make a bowl game? <laughs> that's that's a good question. <laughs> what sucks is that that's such a ill-timed buy for them. I know because. They're com- they're they're facing a team that I believe will be on a roll at that point. So, well, and just... Washington has a a bye as well the week before. Yeah. So they're both coming off bye, so there's no advantage. No, that's tough. That's that's a tough schedule, really. You know, and I'm going to take a little bit of a rabbit hole here. Do you remember when the Pac-10 went to the Pac-12 and and Colorado and and Utah came in, mm-hmm. I really thought it was going to be Utah that was going to struggle to compete. Uh, me too. I, I thought, well, the only thing I, I remember about Colorado is court. Is it Cordell Stewart? With the, Did he go there? Yeah. With the, the Hail- quarterback for, with the Steelers? Yeah. Oh, no kidding. He won a game off a of Hail Mary. And I think he won a Heisman there. I don't think he, I don't, I don't, I don't think maybe he, he did, but, uh, yeah, man. But they, they've won a national championship in our lifetime. Yeah, well, and they were in the Big 12 forever. And and Utah yeah. was Utah was in like the Mountain West. Yeah, they were in the Mountain West. It was the you know, they were they were with uh BYU, BYU and Yeah. T- yeah. TCU. TCU cuz they so they kind of took the place of Colorado. I don't remember how Okay, yeah. Yeah, I just thought that Colorado would be able to recruit better. I mean, I guess on the other side, UCLA, Utah as well won a national championship with um, with Urban Meyer. So, you know, they, they've both – I don't know. I just thought maybe because the bigger conference, they were going to come in and, and play better. But Well, hey, man. They've we've both, definitely been wrong. They've both made it to a Pac-12 championship game. And they've both lost to the same team. So, I mean, has Utah – I mean – you look at their overall wins and losses. Yeah, Utah's probably had a little bit better of a record since they joined, but I mean, they a much both, better record. But they both made it to one Pac-12 championship game, and they both lost. And so, I don't know. I mean, kind of. I don't know. I'll tell you what. You go to Colorado. I'll go to Utah. Heal, dude. I. I mean, gonna go get stoned. Hey, <laughs> we live. We live in Washington. You don't have to go all that way for that. You're right. Come on, dude. I still don't. It's tr- yeah, it's true. We both have, we both don't have time for that. Well, we I I get tested, so. Oh uh, yeah. 
Like, there's that. I, I've never been tested, but I think if I got uh, as a state employee, I could uh, I could be popped anytime. So, gonna, I'm, you're, but you're, you know what? I'm going to be clean, so I'm good. You're going to do it, and then the next day they're going to be like, Trev, your turn, bud. And you're going to cry. Gonna get, you're going to cry in the corner. <laughs> I'm going to get Dwight shrouded. <laughs> Uh, Do you know what that is? Yes, I, this is cannabis. <laughs> no, it's marijuana. <laughs> okay. We got Chip Kelly coming in to his second year with uh, the Bruins. Last year, they were three and nine, and they were competitive against Washington. There were games that they were competitive in, but you know that transition year was kind of brutal for them. They had some real trouble at quarterback. Dorian Thompson Robertson's dad was trying his best LeVar Ball. Oh my God. Are you kidding me, Trevor? Were you going to say that? God, you took it. Uh, (laughs) You got to edit that out. I can't have you stealing my line, man. I feel feel it. You can't have that. (laughs) I'm going to leave all of it. No. You just told me I was going to get busted for smoking weed. (laughs) Man, that was like my best. He's my player to watch, and that was my best line <laughs> of the whole thing. Dang it. Uh, Trev. You say it, I'll, I'll keep the, the one I like better in. How about that? Okay, fine. It's going to be yours. Spoiler alert, it's going to be mine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Okay, sorry. Go on. It's okay, you're, go- you're going to be in bed sleeping, and I'm going to okay. be up editing. So okay. you win. I'm going to go with my player to watch, and that's quarterback Dorian Thompson Robinson. He was highly touted. You know, he had high expectations coming in as the nation's top recruit, quarterback recruit. Uh, He had a really shaky freshman campaign. And um, like you just said, man, there were some weird relationships, not between Chip Kelly and Dorian, but between Chip Kelly and his dad, which kind of caused, I almost wondered if he really did get hurt or if that was just a ploy to just get him on the bench and, show his dad, hey, man, I, I'm still the coach. I can bench your kid whenever I want. His his completion percentage was a little low, especially for a pocket passer, 57%. like to see that up into the 61 range. If, uh, if, he, if he gets his completion percentage up, that could really, you know, make this offense catch its stride and, and uh, move, see, the, see the ball move a little bit more. You know, and, and Chip Kelly, he really likes a fast-paced offense, you know, a, a young quarterback, that's tough to do because he hasn't had the time to learn the entire playbook, really know every, you know, facet of that, of that playbook. So it's hard to put that much pressure and, and that much responsibility onto a young kid like that. Last year was such a weird year because Chip Kelly definitely has a system that he wants to run and he wants kids to buy into his system. And we saw that that, that same system didn't work in the NFL because uh, NFL players are grown adults who are making a lot of money and are able to give more pushback to a coach because frankly, the coaches have less power. So he gets back into the college ranks. He goes to UCLA and there he kicked a ton of kids off of that team who weren't going to do a lot of, he, they didn't buy in. And so that was a really freshman and sophomore laden team. So they definitely, definitely took their lumps last year. Um, they were a really, really bad defense. They they averaged 34 points against a game. That's not going to win you a ton of games. Dorian Thompson Robinson, like you said, was up and down. He played really well against Washington, and that was probably their best loss of the season. They, they, they were in that game the entire time. I guess the Stanford game as well was pretty good. Um, but I expect as this group gets older, they return – all but one of their defensive players, which they were a bad defense last year, but they were a young defense. So I can see them taking a step forward this year in year two. And if USC doesn't get their stuff together, you can see US, UCLA being that second team that's competing. Uh, one of those teams in the South that you know that could compete in the North like Utah does right now. Yeah. So first up, they go to Cincinnati, which is a tough game. I have them winning it. I do as well. Then they host San Diego State. I have them winning that as well. I do as well. And then they host Oklahoma. And I have them dropping that one. Big time. Yeah. 
Big that's time. Big time. That's going to be a tough one. Yeah. Uh, then they then they go to Washington State. That's going to be a loss. I agree with you. Then they ho- they go to Arizona. Arizona's coming off a bye. A loss. I have them winning that game. Then they host Oregon State. Win. Yep, I agree with you. They have a bye. Then they go to Stanford. Uh, loss. I agree with you. Then they host Arizona State. Win. I agree with you. Uh, they host Colorado. Win. I agree with you. Then they have a bye. Then they go to Utah. Loss. I agree. At USC. Win. I have a loss. And then they host Cal. Win. I have a loss. So, Jake, what do you have UCLA finishing? Seven and five. You have them seven and five. And in conference? Five and all right, so I have them at six and six and four and five, but they hold the tiebreaker over Arizona State. And we're going to move to their friends in the same state, to the UCLA Trojans. Same city. Yeah, they're both in that southern part of California, aren't they? Yep. So uh, Clay Helton obviously is their head coach. He's been under fire. They went five and seven last year, and a five and seven UCLA a USC team. Their coach should be fired. I'm frankly shocked that he wasn't fired. I'm shocked at the ineptitude of such a uh, such an institution as of this, that they've been such a dumpster fire in the athletic department when it comes to football and their operations, from Pat Hayden to Lynn Swan to Lane Kiffin, uh, Steve Sarkeesian, and now you know Clay Helton. And it just doesn't seem like they're taking advantage of the footprint that they have. Uh, they've tried to relive the, the Carroll days with some of his coordinators. It hasn't worked, but it just seems like every choice that UCLA USC has made in the last few years, they've made the wrong choice. And that's led them to missing out on a bowl game, which USC should never miss out on a bowl game. No, especially not with the talent that they bring in every year. Even, That's what's even, not fair, right? Yeah, even though they suck, and they sucked real bad last year, they still brought in a super competitive recruiting class. And it's just because it's the name. You know, it, they've lived forever. They're in Southern Cal, where a, a lot of the high school talent is, and all those kids grew up wanting to go there. So they're going to reel in talent no matter what. And uh, like you said, there's just there's just no excuse for them to be as bad as they are. But on the flip side, I love it. I love watching them lose. It's like watching the Yankees lose. I I, lo- I love it. <laughs> it's, it's pretty nice. It's fantastic. Um, you know, all of these kids that maybe not so much anymore where Washington's really gotten a foothold down there. But you think of the the players that were here when Washington started to turn it around. The one that comes to mind most is Jadon Nickens and Marvin Hall. Because they both wanted to be Trojans. Yeah. But the fact is, is they just were never offered by USC because they weren't good enough. Yeah. So they had to go elsewhere. And now, you know, they were, they were somewhat part of that change that led to Washington to where they are. But most of those kids, their first pick on where they want to go is USC. And, you know, the, these USC guys are going to the draft. And they're being drafted on potential, which I think is a real indictment on the coaching staff that they're not able to develop these guys into absolute studs. And they're still relying on their talent, even when they've been in the program for three or four years. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. Uh, and that's, that's on coaching. And like you said, that is what's wrong with USC right now is that it, it, it's not just the coaching who's failing USC. It's the upper management that hasn't gotten oh. rid of the coaching. They've made – they had a choice, and they could have had Chris Peterson, and they went with Steve Sarkeesian. Yeah. I mean, that, that was Pat Hayden, and he's gone, and now it's Lynn Swan. But Lynn Swan's there to play golf and shake hands with boosters. Yeah. And it just doesn't feel like – I think they're – it's either the president or one of the chancellors that they don't 
that is vacant right now, so there's not a lot of decision making going on, and it's just killing the football program. That being said, they're still USC and they're still talented, but there's a coach there that I'm sure he's a great guy, but this USC job is not the job that he should be having. No, I, I read I read an article earlier this week s- stating that USC could either go eleven and one or one and eleven, and I I, I kind of laughed out loud because it in Trevor, in your opinion, what's more likely that they go one and eleven or eleven and one? So, like, if I had to put money on one of those two, I would put them at one and eleven. Yeah. I think that's more likely. And I think it's it's a landslide victory on if, if they're closer to one and eleven than they are to eleven and one. And and they they have a tough schedule. I'll give them that. I do appreciate. If I was an SC fan, that's the one thing I would say is at least they're playing great teams week in and week out. Yeah, you know, their their out of conference schedule is harder than any other team in the Pac twelve. Um, by far by far yeah but i just i don't know man i just think that um in the article they said they have the talent to be an 11 and 1 team but they have the coaching staff to be a 1 and 11 team and well said yeah yeah it totally is and so you know as long as clay helton's there and 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 i'll tell you when i think he's going to get fired and you can tell me when he's going to get fired, but I believe that both of us think that he's going to get fired during the year. Hmm, interesting. So let's go through the schedule. Huh? Actually, I have a player to watch real quick. Sure. Uh, JT Daniels. Um, I don't feel like we could talk about UCLA, UCLA's quarterback and not talk about USC's. Yeah. Uh, you know, in my mind, these two guys will be combined at the hip for both of their entire careers because they came in, at the same time, they both had roller coaster freshman years. They were both highly recruited guys, and uh, and and so I think that both of their careers are going to run parallel with each other. You kind of have to talk about JT Daniels if you're going to talk about Dorian Thompson Robinson. He came in as a true freshman and started while he should have been a senior in high school. That's crazy. So to be a starting quarterback for a program like USC when he should be in high school is a lot of pressure. Um, I don't think he was ready for it, but I think because the big name of JT Daniels and how good he was in high school, their hand was kind of forced. I think they would have been better suited making him sit a year or telling him, Hey, finish up your season, you know, your senior season of high school. And then you can come start as a true freshman. That's 18. Let's see if he can, uh, if he can make some strides in, in, in the right way this year and, and, uh, and get, that, get that team where they need to go. Well, they brought in, um, they brought in an offensive coordinator, and they're changing their identity. They're going to be more of an air raid system, which is crazy. They're USC. They have the best players. If you have the best players, you should be able to win. The teams that use – different gimmicky systems are teams that have less talent and less size. Yeah. That's why Washington state is successful is they, they get quarterbacks. It doesn't matter who the quarterback is. As long as he can throw a ball, they're going to put up yards and they're going to get a bunch of receivers and they're going to, they're going to spread the field and they're just going to, they're going to throw the ball in every down and it's going to work. But a team like SC should be able to out talent and outmaneuver any team. They should be able to line up, tell you what they're going to do and be able to execute it. Yeah. And so I just, man, I'm just so down on this team, which is going to be weird because I have them finishing decently because they're still so talented. Well, didn't they hire Cliff Kingsbury? They did, and then he was gone. Yeah, so. And they hired Graham Harrell. Okay, both Texas Tech guys. Yep. Both air raid offensive guys. I think that they probably settled for Graham Harrell because Cliff Kingsbury left. But yeah, that's another thing that just shows the ineptitude of this of this program. Yeah, I totally agree. Let's. Uh, I don't. I don't get it. Let's. Let's go. Let's on get into screen. it. I'm yeah. done talking about <laughs> USC. It's like screen. me talking about punters. <laughs> hey, one of them matters. All right, we got them August 31st hosting Fresno State. It's a win. It is a win, but it's close. Yep. Fresno State was won twelve games last year. Then they host Stanford. Loss. I have them as a win. At BYU. 
You have them beating Stanford? I do. Wow. Okay. Uh, I, we're going to argue a lot next pod. <laughs> uh, I have them beating BYU. I do as well. Then they host Utah. Loss. Loss as well for me. At Washington. Loss. Loss as well for me. They go into the bye and then they head to Notre Dame. This is where I think Clay Helton's left on the tarmac, my friend. So he loses this one and he's done. He's done. So you have him getting fired after going two and five. Two and five. If he goes two and five, I agree with you. I I think that they're going to give him the uh, who was that? Lane Kiffin. Uh, yeah, they're going to give him the Lane Kiffin treatment. Yeah. Uh, I have them three and three, which for USC is still not acceptable, but I just, I don't trust this program. Yeah. Next they host Arizona. This is where I think they turn it around and pick up that W. Okay. At Colorado. W. Host Oregon. Loss. I have them losing it as well. At Arizona State. Win. I do as well. At Cal. Win. I have that as well. And UCLA. Loss. Loss. All right. So what do you have USC finishing? Six and six. Six and six. Hey, they're back to a bowl game. They're back to a bowl game. And in conference? Four and five. Four and five. Very cool. All right. We don't have to talk about USC for a little while. I'm really excited about that. Next, we move to the Utes. So, obviously, Kyle Whittingham's been there since 1964. He's been there forever. He'll be there forever. It's because the guy lifts a lot of weights, and he drinks a lot of protein. I guarantee it. I, yeah. And has a really good defense. He has a – yeah. He grows defensive linemen somewhere out there in Salt Lake City. I don't know what they use, but that salty water – breeds defensive linemen oh yeah um but it, it doesn't stop there their their linebackers are great their secondary is great um i mean we're we're seattle we're seahawk fans they took two utes last year um a linebacker and a safety yeah and uh they did they, they like they're very similar to washington that they'll graduate they'll lose guys and they don't rebuild they just reload man they they are talented on the defensive side yeah absolutely and unfortunately um well i think kind of fortunately actually one of the guys that the seahawks drafted was that safety that ended up getting ejected in like the first quarter for a helmet to helmet hit marquise blair yeah yeah he's and and that guy's a big he was a big time game changer he was i i as a Seahawks fan and a Huskies fan, I, I'm a little disappointed they went with Blair over Taylor Rapp. Um, but that's a little bit of my homer showing as well. Yeah, absolutely. So did you see that hit that Blair put on that guy? I did. Um, it did was that remind late. you it of was, Bam- it was early. Bam Bam? Um, I thought Bam Bam's was uh, a, more legal. Um, he, hit him, he hit him hard, but I, that's the best hit I've ever seen. Yeah. Uh, was Cam Chancellor's. That was it was it was disappointing that they flagged it, but it was such a hard hit and the guy it was that that was a a work of art. I mean well, he, even even Cam Chancellor tweeted about it saying, Man, isn't this football? Yeah, that like, was come unbelievable. On. Come on. Yeah. Um offensively, uh if Tyler Huntley can stay healthy, I think they're a semblance of an offense that's going to be able to do a, a, anything other than just give Zach Moss the ball. Zach Moss is a dynamic runner, but if Tyler Huntley gets hurt again, like he has every year of his career, they're going to struggle on offense again. Well, you saw what happened to them last year when he got hurt, you know, yeah. especially in the Pac-12 championship game, they were really one dimensional. All we needed to do was stop the run and, and defense scored the only touchdown of the game. Yep. And that's all we needed. You know, because they couldn't move until the very last drive of the game. They could not move the ball. Yeah, yeah. And Jason Shelley, I mean, he was a he was a freshman. He played well in some games, but especially in that in that Pac-12 championship game, the lights were just too bright for him. Yeah. So I think they're going to go. I mean, they're going to go as far as their defense can carry them. But if Tyler Huntley is is healthy, they're going to be in good shape. 
Yep, I totally agree. Player to watch. Who do you got? A name all UW fans should be familiar with, and it's wide receiver Britton Covey. Oh, oh, oh man. <laughs> oh, man. To say that he struggled against UW last year is a total understatement. Have you seen a tougher football player? Oh, though? boy. Oh, man. The licks that he took from oh. Byron Murphy. Talk about talk about a big hit. Dude had no idea that that hit was coming. His head wasn't even turned yet. And Byron Murphy is standing above him just looking at his bicep. Not not today. Oh, my gosh. I I felt – after the first game, I felt really bad for him because he just got just beat up over and over and over. And he just got left out to, to hang. And he kept making the catches, but he kept getting just tattooed for it. And then after the second game, when he tore his ACL, I, I, I almost, like, I didn't know what to do. You know, I just was stunned. Like, man, I didn't think that it could get any worse after the first game. But, but here it is. He, my favorite, somebody put, like, that Facebook, like, was marked safe from Washington's defense after that <laughs> yeah. first game. That was my favorite. Yeah. And, yeah. and it was around the time that the first – uh, the first Avengers, uh, which one was it? The, the first, the, the first half of the Avengers when they all turned to dust and it was like Britain Covey sitting on the sidelines and it was like, <laughs> I don't feel so good. I want to go. He was starting to drift away. That's so brutal. Dude. That is He's, so brutal. I mean, but around the league he is wit because of his toughness. Oh. He's about oh, the most respected player in the Pac-12. Well, if, if you take out the Washington games last year, he's, he's their most consistent player on that team. Catches balls, he's, he, you know, and then he'll run from the backfield. They'll run sweeps with them. He's got to get over 100 touches this year between, you know, the two positions that he plays, running back and wide receiver. Um, he, just, he just might want to, like, semi-retire when they play us go out on another mission or something for that time because that was brutal just just for one week maybe two and that's (laughs) the crazy thing about Britton Covey too is he it was like he played his freshman year and then he he went on his mission for two years and then he came back for his sophomore year and so then all of a sudden he was like 37 right man and and here we are yeah. So let's get through this schedule. This schedule is a fun one. So yeah. they start with the Holy War at BYU. Win. I agree. Northern Illinois. Uh, sorry. Win. Idaho State win. at win. USC. I agree with you. Hosting Washington uh, State. Loss. Okay. I have Washington State winning that game. Uh, we then have a bye. Then we have at win. State. Obviously. Hosting Arizona Win. State, I agree. Cal Win. at Loss. Washington, I agree with you. By then we have them hosting Win. UCLA. I have that a loss. Wow. And the reason I do is because Utah usually traditionally loses a game they shouldn't in the, at the end of the Fair season. Enough. Uh, then they have at Win. Arizona, I agree with you. And then they host Win. Colorado. So we both have them going ten and two and seven and two in conference. We just disagree on their second loss. You have them losing to the Cougs, and I have them losing to the Bruins. Correct. So to sum it up, um, uh, my South standings as of right now are Utah winning the conference at ten and two, USC second at eight and four, UCLA six and six, ASU six and six, Arizona six and six. And Colorado two and ten. How does yours shake out? Mine goes Utah, UCLA, Arizona State, Arizona, USC, Colorado, uh, USC and Arizona. So Arizona, okay. Arizona's finishes Still, fifth. USC goes fourth. If you're correct, where UC, USC finishes, it, Clay Hunt has to has be. Has gone. To be. If. If they miss a bowl, did you have them yes. going six and six? Still, that's not acceptable. No, and if especially if their season starts the way that I have it, if I peg 
every game right and they start the season two and four, he's got to be. He's got to be. Oh yeah. Because if 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 they don't fire him after Notre Dame, and the only reason I have them winning some of those games later after the Notre Dame game is because I think that they'll fire Clay Hilton and miraculously find somebody that is competent and. You know that usually happens when they let yeah go teams the coach. will play there's, better. There's a little yeah. bit of an uptick. So I have yeah. them winning some games that I, if they didn't fire Clay Helton, I'd probably peg them as a loss. But um, yeah, you know that's I, I I'm predicting a Clay Helton fire here by week six. So I don't know. I guess we're gonna have to see. We're gonna have to wait to see how the season unfolds. And sounds like you just entered yourself into a. I mean, pool. I could. He'll be done by week six. You heard it here, here first. All right, so next week we'll do the North. I what do you think? I am excited for the North. I am too. You know, last year with the South, we were kind of all over the place because the South is kind of tough to tough to gauge because it's just a lot of mediocre yeah. teams. Uh, but last year the North, we had the exact same. Uh, this year, that will not be the that won't that no. will continue. So we got some major differences and. We're going to actually be able to debate the North. Um, And that's going to be it for us tonight, guys. Thanks for listening. Go dogs.